All right, good morning, Crossway. I see all of you here. Uh, you know, in our passage this morning, we're going to be introduced to a man named Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha. And we find out he's sick and he dies. And Jesus does one of the greatest miracles ever accounted for, in that he raises him back from the dead. The interesting thing about this passage is that all along the way, people are questioning Jesus the whole time. Like, why? Like, Jesus, why? Why is this happening? Why weren't you there? Why weren't you there earlier? And I don't know about you, and I don't know if you've ever been there, questioning God. Like, like, what are you doing? You said you love me. Why is this happening? Why are things like this occurring in the way that it's going? And I find that actually as a pastor that that sort of questioning hits hardest when someone you love passes away, doesn't it? Like this past week, uh, our dear brother, he's our Brea campus pastor, Pastor Sam, uh, his father, uh, you know, passed away on Sunday night early morning. I know some of you guys went to missions with him. It's just a dear, just loves the Lord, just loves to laugh. And uh, his dad had some heart complications and passed away. On Tuesday, you know, after hearing that news, uh, I went to a funeral. Uh, it was a dear friend of mine, roommate. He was one of my groomsmen. Grew up together. His mom and my mom were close. And so I went to that funeral at Rose Hills and uh, sat there, just soaking all that in. And even as a pastor, when you sit there, like you know God is doing something, but in the back of your mind you ask, like, God, why? Like, why now? Why this way? Have you ever had that happen? Yeah? If you did, maybe just quickly with the person next to you. I know this is a little bit deeper and maybe a little bit more personal. Do you mind just sharing? Maybe a moment where you're like, God, why did this happen? Do you mind sharing in your personal life, when was the last time that you went through that? Go ahead. Just share with the person next to you as we dive deep into our passage this morning. Well, I'm not going to ask you to share, but we're going to walk through this beautiful but challenging narrative story. And it's going to confront us with the question that Jesus asked Martha. And that question is simply this. Do you believe? Whatever is happening in your life, no matter the timing of it, no matter how it looks, do you trust in God's care and sovereignty over your life? So that's where we're going, okay? And I want us to just kind of wrestle through some of the things that this text presents so that we can walk away challenged to believe in our maker and savior who dearly loves us so much. Amen? All right, look, um, I let the first one go, all right? Okay? I'm going to let that one go, but as we move forward, that's my word of encouragement. That's where we want to go. The question is, do you believe? The first point, do you believe and trust in God's timing or hear Jesus' timing? We're going to read actually through the whole chapter, all right? I had to read a lot of it, but there's more, okay? So we're actually going to start in verse 1. 
says this. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment. Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. All right, point one, trusting in God's timing. Because God has his sovereign purposes in his time, not ours, and this is the wrestling part, because he loves us. I have a slide. Eugene, do you mind shooting that slide up? So I kind of broke it down. I want you to notice three things in this text. The first thing I want you to notice is that Lazarus was ill. In biblical times, to be ill was very serious. This is pre-medical age without medication. See, when you and I get sick, it tells us that it's ill. That pretty much means that there's potentially serious harm and most likely death. Infant mortality rate was really high. And so when it says he is ill, it's serious. All right, you get that? The second thing I want you to notice is that Jesus loved Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Verse 5, it tells us that he dearly loved. And he loved them so much that when the sisters mention Lazarus, they don't even mention his name. What did they call him? It says, he, right, whom you love, is ill. Great fondness. That word love is the word phileo in the Greek, right? And that's the word, right, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's of close friendship. So I want you to know, Jesus truly cared. And then the third thing is the shocking thing that I want you to try to digest and recognize and notice is this last part. So he dearly loved them, right? So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed what? Two days longer in the place where he was. Now, hold up. Jesus, maybe you didn't hear, okay? Lazarus is, he needs you, like, right now. Huh, but what does Jesus do? He waits two days longer. And the question that should confront you is, does he not care? Does he not care for Lazarus? Why wait? Well, once again, I want to remind you. Jesus has his sovereign purposes in his time, not our time, because he loved them. Now, I know that's kind of difficult to digest, but that's what the passage is telling us. See, for Mary and Martha, the right time was actually two days ago, right? But Jesus, he waits. You know, what's interesting is this past week, like I mentioned, on Tuesday, I went to the funeral for my good friend, uh, his mother. And during the eulogy, my friend got up and 
to celebrate his mom's life, shared this beautiful eulogy about his mom. You know, his mom was such a hard worker. She would drive them everywhere. His brother is a golfer. He does, like, film. So, I mean, she was just driving and just can't. So when she got this cancer, uh, the doctors told her that she had three months, maybe six months tops to live. She ended up actually living three more long years, right? And he was sharing that in those three years, she got to see the birth of all three of her grandchildren, right? And he was sharing that his mom shared with him that in these three years, she never felt so much love in her whole life than in these past three years. This woman who was giving and loving all the time finally got a chance to stop and to have people care and love for her in those three years. And you know what's interesting about that? I was thinking about that. Is that when something like that happens where we celebrate that, don't we? We, like, we accept that. We love that. So we say, God, we trust in your timing, right? But then when the opposite occurs, where someone is taken maybe a little bit earlier than we think, or when God asks us to pause, then the same response should occur, but it's challenging, isn't it? And we start saying stuff like, hey, Jesus, hold up. What's going on? That wasn't supposed to work out that way. Jesus in his love has his sovereign purposes. And it tells us actually in verse 4 that that's for his glory. And we're going to get there. It's for his glory. And the question is, in our lives, when God does things in his timing, not our timing, do you trust and believe? So that's point one. The second thing that I want you to see is this. You're going to see God's care and empathy for Mary and Martha. Because God isn't some, like, puppet master, right? Like, hey, man, just take joy in your suffering. Yeah, it's my timing, so tough. You just deal with it. That's not how he is. The Bible reminds us, actually, in the chapter prior, he's actually our good shepherd, right? Here, you're going to see something beautiful because even in our doubt, even in our questioning, because you're going to see three times in this text that we read them questioning Jesus. Martha first, Mary second, and then you're going to see the crowd or the mourners all question Jesus. I put it up on a slide. So, uh, Eugene, he fell asleep for one second, even though he's supposed to help me with the slides here. Do you mind shooting up the next slide? Maybe the next one. The Mary, Martha, and the mourners. Okay, thank you. You good? All right. Yeah, there's coffee outside too, you know. Yeah, yeah. So Martha first comes to meet Jesus. And I want you to see the assumption. The assumption is Jesus, you let us down. Like you should have you been here, right? It says this. Martha first, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. Okay? And then Mary comes out later in the text, and she says, similarly, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The end of the text, in verse 37, the mourners, the crowd that was there to mourn the loss, and these, these are family members, friends, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Doubt, questioning, right? And see, Jesus right here could have rebuked all of them. Like, why are you doubting? Didn't you see, I am the man that turned water into wine. He could have done that. But he doesn't, actually. We're going to see with Mary and Martha that he meets them where they are. And with Martha and Mary, he treats them differently. He interacts with them differently. With Martha, he has this theological discussion. Because for her, that's what she needs at that current moment. And then with Mary, what you're going to see is that he just simply cries with her. Because he's the good shepherd. Even though he's doing great things for his glory, he never neglects to meet us in our felt needs. Because he's the good shepherd, right? So if you look here, and this is the text that we read, so I want us to kind of walk through it. In verse 20, it says this. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So what's happening is Martha is having a theological discussion about resurrection. And because she knows the Old Testament, where Elijah and Elisha raised people from the dead, and she knows that God can do it, she is saying, ask God. Because I know we believe in the God that raises people from the dead. Okay? So he is having this theological discussion with her. Because she wants some things answered in her head. Don't you know people like that? They can't come to God because they have theological things that they need to be dealing with. They need some answers because they cannot understand why a person in Africa who never hears the gospel dies without ever having a chance to get saved. And so until they get that answer, they can't come to God. Right? You know people like that? Well, Martha was in a place where she needed some theological discussion happening. And so she's like, ask God. And then Jesus turns to her and says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am God. And what he's saying when he says that is this. Do you mind shooting up that white text, Eugene? When he says, I am the resurrection and the life, what he wants her to know is that her future security is set. My brothers and sisters, when we believe in Jesus Christ, Death has no power over us. Amen? Yet it has no power over us. Our future is set. That's why he goes on. If you read here, he says this. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Our future security is set. But not only that is he not only the resurrection, but he is the life. He goes on to explain in verse 26. And everyone who lives 
and believes in me shall never die. Meaning, not only do you need Jesus in death, but he is our life now. Because you know that we have so much more that we're living for, we believe and trust and we walk in a way to walk for Jesus and him alone. And we believe. And then what's interesting is that he meets Mary. And how does he treat Mary? Well, let's go. In verse 32 it says this. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then in verse 35, it says this. Jesus wept. See, with Mary, he knows that she doesn't need a theological discussion. She knows... Or he knows that she needs to just be cared for, not preached at. And that is the good shepherd that we have. That regardless of what's happening, kind of the big picture of what God is doing, he can sympathize with our weaknesses so he walks with us even when our doubt and our struggle. You know, in BillyGraham.org, even when in his 90s, he would ask people to send them questions. This is one of the questions that was actually sent And do you mind shooting that up, Eugene? And at 95 years old, he's answering people that would send him questions online. I thought that was kind of cool. And he said this. One of the questions this young man wrote, I don't think God really cares what happens to us. The universe is so big and we're so small. Why would he worry about us? He's too big to be interested in what happens to us. And we ought to be honest enough to admit we're on our own. And you see, I think sometimes, even as believers, we can feel that way. Where you think to yourself, God, I know you're big and you're sovereign and you're taking care of the universe. But little old me, do you even know what's happening right now? And I'm here to tell you, and this passage here to remind you, that God knows exactly where every single one of us is at. And he cares enough to meet with us in our need and to walk patiently with us. I love Isaiah 40, 11, and it says this about our God. It says, he, our God, will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. In our fragile, vulnerable state, God tenderly and patiently walks with every single one of us. I want you to know something, my friends. Christianity is not you just saying, I'm strong and I'm going to just walk this walk. It's you and all the brokenness and some of the struggles and the doubts. Hold me. Walk me through this because some of this stuff, I just cannot make it without you. And our God is strong enough to handle that. Intimacy is God's glory. So, 
He wants everyone to see this resurrection miracle because it's going to point, it's a foreshadowing of the fact that he's going to die and rise again. Right? So verse 41, it said this. So they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. And in verse 45, it tells us, many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. So he reveals who he is because his desire is for the people there to believe in him. He takes Mary, Martha, and even Lazarus through this journey of pain and suffering. So ultimately that they would just believe and trust him. Because that is the greatest good. All of us will die. You know that. Right? We will all die. So not dying, even if Jesus healed Lazarus, is good. He's after something so much greater, which is to help us to understand that no matter what happens in this life, death is not the end of our story. So we need to trust and believe in him. There was a story of a woman. She lost her mother. And so she was grieving. So after church, she was outside just crying. And outside the door, a seven-year-old boy came out to meet her. And he had tears in his eyes, and he looked up at her and said, I prayed for your mother. But she died. So for a moment, this grieving woman wanted to just hug him and cry with him. But she could see that he was seriously disturbed because he thought his prayers were not answered. So she silently prayed for wisdom and then said to the boy, You wanted God to do his best For my mother, didn't you? He nodded slowly. Yes, I did. So she responded, Well, God answered your prayer. His best for her was not to take her home, to live with me, but to take her home, to live with him forever. The boy's eyes brightened up. As he replied, that's right, he did. Then he ran off to meet his friends, content that God had taken her to heaven. God has victory over death, my friends. You know, I meet a lot of Christians who are fearful of death, fearful of their loved ones dying, fearful of themselves dying. But we are just passing through. And we have a Savior who is the resurrection, our future security, and he's our life. 
so that even as we live through the, the mess, we can trust in him because he is good and he is for us and he has the best intention in mind for every single one of us. He understands that we are broken and sometimes weak and in doubting and he loves you completely. And the question he presents every day to us is, do you believe in me as that sort of savior and shepherd for you? Do we walk in trust of a God that loves us in that way? Do you believe? I'm not sure what you're going through, but God does. And it's never too big for our God. Let's wrestle to trust his timing in our lives. When things don't make sense, when things happen and you think to yourself, this is not what I had planned for my life, know that God's plan is always greater. And let's trust in our shepherd who cares and walks with us through every single pain and disappointment because he is doing something good. Let's pray together.